Um, we're going to be on the Jubilee tonight. My name's Chris Hall. I serve with uh, Christian students. If you need an outline, raise your hand. You're going to want one of these pieces of paper. It's got the verses on it. We love God's Word, right? It's good to have it in front of your face. Uh, find a pen if you can. Take some notes. Surely the Lord wants to speak to you. Why else would you be gathered here unless the sovereign God wanted to get you here to dispense something of His Word, okay? So um, tonight, I want to tell you the best news you've ever heard. That's what I want to tell you tonight. It's the good news in the universe. It's the singular good news. It's the good news of glad tidings that God has for man. And he's been telling us the same story through many forms and many ways from the very first page of Scripture. That's why we can turn to a book like Leviticus and expect to see the good news of glad tidings right there. It's the same story from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation 22. And right here, centered in the book of Leviticus, is the best news you've ever heard in your life. Amen. Are you excited about that? Um, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're going to be in this uh, text from Leviticus. And I, I have to be honest, I am especially burdened for those of you right here in this room. This is good news for all mankind, but I'm especially burdened for you. I'm especially burdened for you because, because the effect of the gospel, the effect of the gospel is that it makes us persons in and of ecstasy. The effect of the gospel is that it causes us to become persons of rapturous delight in God. A Christian is a person of ecstasy. That's what, a, that's what a Christian is. A Christian is a person of ecstasy. And if we've never been in ecstasy before God, that means if we've never been in rapturous delight, intense joy and happiness, if we've never been in ecstasy before God, that means that our experience is short. It means that our enjoyment of God is insufficient because the effect of the good news is that it brings us back into the enjoyment of God. So to encapsulate that, I think probably you're like me. When I was here with Christian students as a college student, the brothers first told me about enjoying God and that blew my circuits. I'd never heard of anything like that in my life. I mean, you Google enjoying God. See how much comes up there. Not, not that much. Not that much. But that is the Bible's concept. That is the Bible's concept. And I think as I spent a little time around the brothers, you know, I, I learned, I got, I got the doctrine of enjoying God, but my experience of enjoying God, not so much. Not so much. Whose fault was that? Mine. I knew about enjoying God. Even I could tell somebody about enjoying God. I could share with them some verses. But if I really checked my joy meter, just enough to get by. And so I'm concerned that, oh man, it's so good. We could talk about enjoying God and we could share the word and be in the verses and communicate that in such a clear way. But how about our actual enjoyment of God? 
where is it at? Where is the joy meter? Is it, is it just enough to get by? Or are you a person in ecstasy before God? If, we, if our enjoyment of God is not sufficient, if we don't have a sufficient enjoyment of God, we will practically live in bondage to many things. If we do not enjoy God, we will enjoy something else. And that will become a kind of bondage to us that we uh, cannot be freed from in and of ourselves. So tonight, um, in oneness with the anointed Christ and as a member of the body of Christ, I like to proclaim liberty to you. Amen. The good news sets us free. Amen. We're going to be talking about the Jubilee tonight. And I know that may not mean so much to you right now, but it's going to by the end of this, you know, 30 minutes or two hours, you know. No, I'm just kidding. We're only going to be here, you know, anyway, not so much longer. Okay. Jubilee is going to become one of your favorite words ever. I was thinking about it this week, and I thought, man, if I have, another, if I have a third daughter, maybe I can name her Jubilee. <laughs> this is the best news you ever heard in your life. This is the good news of God forgiving us of all our debts, all our Debts, everything we ever owed, we're forgiven of and we're returned to God as our possession, as our enjoyment, as our rapturous delight. That's what he intended for man all along. And the Lord chose to communicate that to us right in Leviticus 25.10. But before we get there and before we get into all the Yummy details of the Jubilee. I want you to get the point from the jump. Jesus is the Jubilee. Yeah. When Jesus came, Jubilee came. Jesus comes, Jubilee comes. Jesus comes, liberty comes. When Jesus comes, Jubilee comes. Jesus is the Jubilee. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it. So we're going to read Luke chapter 4, and we're going to see... The living Christ, the humble man, Jesus, incarnated, God with meat on. He's incarnated. He's going to come. He's going to pick up a text of Scripture. He's going to read it to us, and then he's going to drop the mic and say, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing right now. Jubilee has come because I'm here. So let's, let's read God's Word. How about that? How about that? Um, just to give you a little background, this is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. His ministry is being inaugurated. It's beginning, okay? And um, wonderful things. The whole earth is about to change, okay? And he's right on the threshold of changing the whole inhabited earth. They're actually going to change all of time after this, okay? They're going to count time differently after he arrived, okay? It's a big deal. If you were going to ask him a question right as he's on the threshold of changing the whole universe, and you said, Jesus, if you could just summarize what you're about to do in one word, what would you say? What do you think he would answer? Jesus, if you could summarize everything you're about to enact, everything you're about to change, all that you're going to do, if you could just summarize it for me in one word, what word would you use, Jesus? What do you think Jesus Christ would say? 
Jubilee. <laughs> it's Jubilee. It's Jubilee. Let's read the verses, okay? Um, let God's Word speak to you. Okay. Luke 4, 16 through 22. I'll read 16 and 17, and then I'll have you guys read 18 and 19 altogether, okay? And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and according to his custom, he entered on the Sabbath day into the synagogue and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. All together, ready, go. The I want you to underline, proclaim release to the captives. Proclaim release to the captives. And then I want you to underline all of verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. This is actually from the scroll of Isaiah. They didn't have books back then, but they did have scrolls. And in Isaiah, he prophesies regarding the coming Christ. It's a messianic prophecy, meaning it re, it's uh, regarding the Messiah to come. And he prophesies about what will happen when Messiah comes, and he intentionally uses the language of Jubilee to describe what will take place. He uses the language of Jubilee to describe what will take place when Jesus comes. What's the language of Jubilee? Well, we've got to read about the Jubilee first, but I'm just going to give it to you before we get there. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. Okay, let's keep reading. Or actually, I'll, I'll read 20, and then we can read 21 altogether. And when he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, he sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. 21 altogether, ready, go. Let's do 22 also. And all who were witness to him and marveled at the words of grace proceeding out of his mouth. I want you to circle today. This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What was recorded in Leviticus 25, what was prophesied in Isaiah 61, is fulfilled in Luke chapter 4. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. When Jesus comes, Jubilee comes. Let's all say that. When Jesus comes, Jubilee comes. Okay, now the Jews were really impressed. How do we know that? Because they marveled at the words coming out of his mouth, okay? It's a big deal. Okay, but we not, may not be so impressed. Why? Because we don't know what the Jubilee is, okay? So I, let's, let's read Leviticus 25.10. Give us a little more a clarity regarding what the Jubilee actually is. Why is this so wonderful? Why is it the best news that any man has ever heard in his whole life? Let's read Leviticus 25.10. Ready, go. I want you to underline 50th year, 50th year, underline proclaim liberty, 
proclaim liberty. Does that sound familiar? Okay, getting a little closer there. Circle jubilee. It shall be a jubilee for you. Underline return to his possession and return to his family. Does this sound familiar to you guys at all? Is it, is it almost like we just read a passage of Scripture like one minute before this that sounds a lot like that? You guys picking that up? Yes. Okay, I'm seeing some, well, I thought maybe I saw some nods, but anyway. You guys are college students, so you can pick up on the context clues, okay? Sounds pretty familiar, okay? That was divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, okay? He's wanting us to pick up something here, okay? So... What God prescribed for the nation of Israel is that every 50 years they would have a hard reset. All of the Israelites, they were allotted a certain portion of land. That land was their inheritance. God gave it to them. It belonged to them. And that was almost like their citizenship. It's like, this is how I can show I belong to this people. I'm on the land. I have a piece of this land. God promised it to us. And and we have it. And this is going to be my family's inheritance forever. But what happens if you kind of fall on some hard times and... You don't work your land that good, you know. You maybe slept in on a few of those, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, you know. (laughs) You didn't work your land so good, and you got in a kind of a a poor situation. And you needed somebody to help you out a little bit, and you just told them, hey, you know, uh, I'm in a little debt, and I I can just sell you my land. Will you buy my land? That way I can get out of debt. I mean, it's not going to be my land anymore. It's actually going to be your land. But anyway, will you buy it? Because I'm in... I'm in some trouble. And then, and then maybe I can work it for you. You know, I'll be your employee. Um, how about that? Okay, that's not so good, but that's exactly what happened. And then uh, even this might happen. Oh, uh, you know, the, the bills here are still a little tight. Um, hmm, what else can I do? How, how about actually I sell myself to you? I'll sell myself to you as a slave because I have no other uh, resources. I can't do anything else. I'm so up in over my head. I have no other resources. I'll sell myself into slavery to you if you'll, if you'll help me. Now, how would you feel if that happened to you? You've been given this rich inheritance. You did nothing to deserve it. It was given to you. And somehow you lost it. And you didn't just lose it for you. You lost it for your entire lineage after you. Your children your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they'll never have that land, never, because you lost it. Nor will you see them anymore. Your wife, your children, you won't see them anymore. Why? Because now you're a slave. How would you feel? Every 50 years, the ram's horn is blown and you get it all back. How about that? How would you feel about that? All your debts, forget them. Over with. The land you lost, it's all yours again. How about getting your family back? Would you feel pretty good about that? You think you might, you might, you think you might, oh, well, hmm, yeah, it was a few years, uh, praise the Lord. Do you think that's how you would respond? You would be a madman. Think about this. 
Everything that you lost, it's your fault. You lost it. You didn't do anything to deserve it, and you lost it all for yourself and for your family and for all of your lineage after you. And then Jubilee. Everything that you lost is returned to you. It costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. You return to your possession and you return to your family. How do you think you'd feel about that? Jubilee means a time of shouting. That's what it means. If you want to know what ecstasy sounds like, it sounds like a time of shouting. That's what it sounds like. Right here in the middle of Leviticus, God is sowing a seed of the gospel that He wants to purposefully use to communicate what happens to us when Jesus comes. He's sowing a seed that He can use this language to communicate to us the profoundness of the good news for us when Jesus comes. You know what happens when Jesus comes? You get liberated. I don't know if you know this, but every person in this room was born a slave to sin. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me in John 8.34. And how do I know that? Because I know what happens in my own life. Anyone who sins, it's proof that you're a slave to sin. Why would you do what you don't want to do? You don't want to do it. So why would you do it? Because you're enslaved to it. And you have to. Every person in this room was born a slave to sin and Satan and the world. And when Jesus came, He liberated you. He liberated you. He didn't just forgive everything that happened before. He didn't just forgive your debt. He returned you to your possession. You know what your possession is? It's God as your exceeding joy. Your possession is God Himself. The reward of the Christian life is Almighty God. That's the best gift you could ever have. Yes. You get to return to your enjoyment of God. You get to enjoy God, which is what you were designed for. You get to return to your possession. And you don't just get to return to your possession. You get to return to your family. You know who your family is? It's the church. Your family is God's divine family. It's the church. Nobody likes to go to a Thanksgiving feast by themselves. That is not a feast. That is sad. Don't, don't, don't be a person uh, locked in your dorm room listening to podcasts, reading your Bible, and talking about how great of a time you're having. I know you're having a good time, but you're not at a feast. The feast happens with the family. The good news of the gospel is that God has come, Jesus has come to liberate, to proclaim liberty to us and free us from enslavement, from captivity, to enjoy God and return to our family. Now, here's the question. I want you to genuinely think about this. If that's true, and you've received that, you've experienced that, you've believed into Christ, you've been regenerated, you've been forgiven of your sins, how much practically in your daily life do you experience the Jubilee every single day? 
That's the question I want you to think about. I want you to check your joy meter. I want you to check your actual experience, your actual Christian living, and I want you to discern how much do I actually experience Jubilee? Am I a person in ecstasy? How often do I experience that? If you're anything like me, probably it's lower than you desire. Lower than you desire. Why is that? The reason is Roman numeral two. Let's read it together. Ready, go. Try it again. Ready, go. You know what an onslaught is? It's a fierce attack. It's a fierce, continual, relentless, purposeful, intentional attack. You probably don't realize it because we're just going in and out day to day, but we're continually, always under the attack of the evil one. The way Jesus describes him is the thief. The thief. Let's read John 10.10 together. Ready, go. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. The only thing that he does, he does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. You know what he'd like to do? He'd like to utilize any and all means to steal your enjoyment of God. He'll use anything. doesn't matter. Good, bad. Is it evil? If you'll take it, he'll use it. Is it good? Education. High achievement. Getting the internship. Oh, will that um, occupy you? Keep you from enjoying God? Great, I'll use it. I'd like to utilize anything that I can to steal your enjoyment of God to the extent that ultimately I destroy you. That's what the thief does. That's what the thief does. You know, I was, um, I was at the mall recently, which I don't make many mall trips. You can basically get anything on Amazon that you want, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I was at the mall, and, and I hadn't been in a long time, and I got my two girls there. They're, I, I've, I've got responsibility for the girls, and I'm going to be there for like 45 minutes. And I'm a little nervous about what I'm going to do with our two girls. One's like two or three months, and the other one's two years old. I'm a little nervous about how this is going to go, you know, if I can handle it. Praise the Lord. It, that turned out okay. But anyway, I'm a little nervous about, man, are they going to start crying? What's going to happen? We walk into the mall, and their eyes get about as big as saucers. I mean, they're just... And then I start looking around, like, whoa. I, there's like four or five... There's a different song going on in every store. It's just... <laughs> You know, and then maybe you're in a different kind of store. It's a little, you know, a little love ballad or I, I, they're all going on at the same time. They're all going on at the same time. And I'm getting hit from music everywhere. And then I've got people wanting to sell me things in the middle of the aisle. And then and then there's just people. There's people everywhere. There's people everywhere. And my girls, they were quiet the whole time. I expected them to be, you know, acting up and, and crying and loud and. They were in awe the whole time. And it was huge, huge pictures, huge pictures that honestly I don't want my girls to see. I'm kind of, oh, don't, don't look over there, you know. 
I'm having to navigate around. You know, I'm trying to avoid certain stores just so that her eyes don't see them, you know. There are a million messages going on at the same time from everywhere. Buy this, lust for this, want this, be this, live this, choose this, act this out. Don't you want this? What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you ever be this all the time? And I sat down and it hit me. It hit me. This might be the easiest place in the whole world to forget about God. I'm just sitting in one spot. I can hear about six different songs. And and I've got got sales going on. And and I've got posters. And I've got images of what I should aspire to be like and look like. And and I've got all these people. And and then I I would even come along these like little rest places where there's these different chairs and people are sitting down. And they look exhausted. (laughs) They're totally overstimulated. (laughs) Totally overstimulated. And they're there on their, they're just like there, like on their phone. They just, you know. Sidebar, I mean, more phone equals more sad. I mean, that's, that's, that's actually the research. They're just there. And, they're, and it was enlightening for me. It was enlightening for me. Satan will use anything, anything to distract us from the enjoyment of God. He'll use anything to distract us from the enjoyment of God. And honestly, this was the big kicker for me. I actually started looking at people's faces and they looked so sad. It looked so sad to me. I was like, wow, all this stuff going on. And they actually look, they look angry and sad. And like they're not having a good time. What is this? It's a replacement. It's a replacement for the enjoyment of God. Anything. What is it? Is it a sale? Is it a picture? Is it music? Is it a memory? Satan will use anything to steal our enjoyment of God to the extent that he would destroy us. That's what he wants. So how can we, how can we be practically liberated? How? How can we be practically liberated? Don't you want that? Don't you want your joy meter to go like this? Don't you want that? Don't you want it to match what's going on in Scripture? You've been liberated from enslavement to Satan and sin and the world, and you've been returned to the enjoyment of God as your possession. You've been returned to your divine family in the church. Don't you want your joy, the affections of your heart to match that? Don't you want that? Don't you want to be a person in ecstasy? How's that happen? Let's read Roman numeral three together. Ready, go. Okay, I want you to underline enjoying God. And then I want you to circle in the church. In the church. Enjoying God in the church. Let's all read Psalm 43-4 together. Ready, go. Okay, say exceeding joy. Exceeding joy. Exceeding joy. Do you know God in this way? Do you experientially know Him in this way? Not just the concept. Sometimes, especially, especially with men, especially with brothers, we think, oh, I've heard about that. Thus, I've experienced it. No, that is not the case. 
You can read a book and not actually have experienced what's in the book. Do you know God in this way? He is your exceeding joy. Meaning, He's exceedingly better than anything else. I will come forward. I'll go. I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy. Jesus is not just better. Jesus is exceedingly better than anything the world has to offer. Anything. God, my exceeding joy. You know, the first time I went to the, to the bros place, I know it's the Seasock house now. We actually used to live in some apartments just across the way. I think it's 450. I, I forget what it is now. It used to be called something else. I went over there. I was a sophomore in college. And I think there was one of our staff members that was there for like, you know, an hour or so. We were just eating breakfast. It was Saturday morning. Got together at nine, pancakes, bacon, more bacon. I brought brought too much bacon. (laughs) I saw how much bacon was there and I thought, we need a little more bacon. Then it turns out, no, 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 that was too much bacon. Anyway, we ate, we ate, and man, it was so good. And then, and then after that, it wasn't like anybody like, I said, okay, now we will do this. But it just, you know, uh, somebody grabbed the guitar and we started singing and we kept singing and our singing turned to prayer and our prayer turned into another song. And it was a time of shouting. It was ecstasy. How do I know that? Because I, for, I forgot everything that was going on. We started, we, we started eating at 9. We wrapped up about 10. We started singing about 10 o'clock. I'm, I am in, I've forgotten everything. I'm, I'm in ecstasy. And I looked down at my watch, and it was almost 2 p.m. I don't know what happened. What happened from 10 to 11, and 11 to 12, and 12 to 1, and 1 to 137, or whatever it was. I, I don't know. We were, in the, we, were, we were in the third heavens. We were in such utter enjoyment that I forgot everything that I had going on in my day. And I looked at my watch. I said, oh, oh, bros, I got to go. I got something at 2 p.m. that I got to be at. And they said, yeah, great. And they kept on singing. <laughs> that was my first taste of living with the brothers in Seasock. Ecstasy. I walked out of that apartment and I said, I want that again. That's what I said. I determined that in my heart. I want that again. If we've never been in ecstasy before God, our enjoyment is insufficient. And if our enjoyment of God is insufficient, we'll still live in bondage to many things. We need God as our exceeding joy. And there's a context, there's a context in which that joy is readily found. I want you to read Acts 2, 46 and 47. Ready, go. I want you to circle day by day and house to house. Day by day and house to house. This is, this is the first appearance of the church on the earth. 
This is what it looks like. What what does church look like? This is what it looks like. It appeared on the earth in Acts chapter 2 for the first time, and this is what they did. Day by day, house to house. I want you to underline food with exultation. Food with exultation. That's E-X-U-L-T, not E-X-A-L-T. It means they're not like lifting up their food, but (laughs) they're having food and they're exulting with joy. When's the last time you had a meal like that? Wouldn't you like to have a lot of meals like that? I eat my food and I have exultation while I'm having it. How about, um, how about simplicity of heart? Not, uh, oh gosh, what does she think of me? What did that text mean? Oh, uh, man, I hate what he said to me the other day. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. What about having simplicity of heart? Doesn't that sound good? You know where it's found? It's found in the church. How about praising God and having grace with all the people? Praising God, having grace. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. Does that sound like a good time? Yes, does that sound lame or does that sound awesome? awesome? Enjoying God in the church is our practical liberation. If you don't enjoy God, I guarantee you will enjoy something else. And that will become a bondage to you. It'll become a bondage to you. Okay, so think about it. Do you know the church as your family? Do you know the church as your family? How much? How much have you experienced the church as your family? You know what? When you're in a family and you're living at home, how often do you see your folks? Once or twice a week's max, right? No. When you're living at home, Jason, how often do you see your folks? Every day? Whoa, isn't that too much? You better be balanced, bro. You better be balanced. I mean, don't, don't, don't be too much for your family now, you know. I mean, you're seeing them like every day, right? You know, I, I, I had this thought. I had this thought. I was like, you know, I, I met the group, and I was like, wow, we got, like, events, like, all the time. There's, like, fellowship you can have, like, every single day. I was kind of like, Man, maybe that's a little much, huh? I mean, oh, it's a little too much, right? I mean, we want to be balanced, right? I need, you know, one or two hours of church activities per week, 20 hours of TV, uh, and then, you know, 10 to 15 for exercise, and then we'll get good and balanced, right? We've got 35 over here and two over here. Good, good, very balanced. Good, good healthy American diet. Oh, very good. Mm, yeah, just, just slip it in, hour or two, once or twice a week, and then, and then anything and everything I want over here. <laughs> that makes for a sad existence. That doesn't make for ecstasy. Uh, don't, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Day by day, house to house with exaltation, simplicity of heart, praising God, having grace with all the people. All the people. Are you in a home? Are you in a home? How often? Are you in a home meeting? Not just a home meeting, but a home. How often? Are you with with one another? Do you know the church as your family? There is exceeding joy in the context of the church. Okay, I'm going to pray, 
And then uh, why don't we take just a little bit of time to fellowship in groups, and then we'll come back and we'll overflow all together, right? We'll open the floor for everybody, okay? Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time in your word. We ask you to fulfill this word. Make us persons in the reality of the Jubilee. Have great mercy on us. Lord, more and more every day for the rest of our lives, we'd return to God as our possession. We return to the church as our divine family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's fellowship in our groups briefly.